Consciousness in the Netflix original series Sense8. We're going to go episode by episode exploring how we can live a Sense8 life. And this is our episode one. Let the journey begin. Yes, so we're here finally ready to dive into the whole series. Like this is just a beginning. This is exciting, right? It is. It is. This first episode. So crazy. So confusing. In the beginning, it was so confusing when I watched it the first time. And then, now that we've watched it several times, I love this episode. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because a friend of mine, when we were talking about starting the podcast and, and knowing that most people don't like the first three episodes, she's like, well, maybe you can put the first three in together, kind of brush over them so you don't lose people's attention. And I was kind of thinking, well, maybe we'll do that. And then I started diving in after having watched the whole series. And I'm like, oh, my God, there is so much in this episode that I have to leave a ton of it for later because things get brought up again later. Like we, we could be here for days if we just did this episode. We could actually. We could. I'm really excited to talk about the first scene because it's so important, in my opinion. And of course... The idea of limbic resonance. Right. So the title of this episode is Limbic Resonance. In a sense that I think that that's the, the title. In a way that Dad talked about the whole series. But why wouldn't you for the foundation of the mm -hmm. first one? So let's just give a little background about this episode before we dive in. Again, the title is Limbic Resonance. It aired on June 5th, 2015. It was written by the Wachowskis and Michael J. Straczynski. Straczynski. <laughs> the unpronounceable Straczynski. So about that, I was really thinking, I was wondering why they didn't just go with Ski's Company. Ooh. Oh, a little play on Three's oh, Company. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> kind of punny. <laughs> but I love the unpronounceable. Right, it's good. It is, it is. <laughs> anyway, okay, so it was directed by the Wachowskis. And in this episode, eight strangers from cities around the globe begin having experiences that defy explanation. Or does it? Maybe there is some explanation, but we don't know in the beginning. Um, we're going to just read a very quick overview of limbic resonance, because we want to talk about that. Like, what does that mean? It is so key to this, and it kind of gets, you hear it in one line, which we'll talk about later, but... And listening to interviews um, with the creators, Lana, we hear that basically this is what it's about. Like the whole connection is about this. So. Right. And to me, this is one of those things they just slipped in in a scene. It wasn't it, to me. It wasn't pushed. I mean, that was uh, I've had conversations like this with my friends and people I party with or whatever. And it, it did seem so natural. So anyway, for 
of those people out there that think it was forced, I just think that it was naturally slipped in. And if you didn't go, what's limbic resonance? You would have just kept watching the show and maybe not look it up. So we'll talk about well, it. Well, I didn't look it up until right. we started the podcast. And I thought, oh, I should pay attention to each title. There's probably meaning here. And I looked it up and I'm like, mind blowing. Right. And when I first listened to it and or watched it, I, I actually skipped over that completely and went to the next conversation, which we'll talk about as well. Right. Cool. Okay. So here you go. Limbic resonance. And this is pulled from the wiki definition. Uh, limbic resonance is the idea that the capacity for sharing deep emotional states arises from the limbic system of the brain. These states include the dopamine circuit promoting feelings of empathic harmony and and the norepinephrine yes. circuit originated emotional states of fear, anxiety, and anger. The concept has, was advanced in the book A General Theory of Love, 2000, and is one of the three interrelated concepts central to the book's premise that our brain chemistry and nervous systems are measurably affected by those closest to us, that our systems synchronize with one another in a way that has a profound implication for personality, lifelong emotional health. In other words, it refers to the, compath- to the capacity for empathy and nonverbal connection that is present in mammals. And that forms the, this forms the basis for our social connections as well as the foundation for various modes of therapy and healing. So this is really interesting to me because this is my life. Like this has right. been my life work. I started out as a clinical therapist with a master's degree in social work. I was doing child and family therapy, and so then when I moved into working in the spiritual realm with energy healing and messages, things like that, emotions has been the focus really probably of my whole life. Um, And a friend of mine, uh, Daphne Rose Kingma, who is an author in this field as well, she once said, we were doing, we were doing another podcast and, and she's, I don't even know if she remembers saying this line, but I've held on to it. But she said in that uh, conversation that emotions are the glue that hold spirit or that bind or bring spirit and physicality together. And to me, that's, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this show is. And as we dive into it, we all get connections and, and that is emotion is what brings us together. Yeah, the way, the way I, that was introduced to me was... Feelings are the language of the soul. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so let's take a step back here and maybe make this concept a little bit simpler. (laughs) I'm going to reframe this. So the limbic system, it's a bunch of nerves in the brain, and then we have resonance. So basically we have one or more entity, which would be a mammal according to this, where that system starts to sync up with another brain's system. And they create this resonance, which creates a connection that we call empathy. So we can um, really connect with somebody on a spiritual, I would, those are my words, spiritual and uh, chemical or emotional 
level as well. So all those components are in there. And then we, we understand each other at another level because of the brain and, and how they sync up. And this, to me, shows up with animals even. A lot of people are very sensitive to animals. Um, and I would go as far as to say that, and we'll get into this, that it, it goes beyond the people you're closest to, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I want to say, it, but we'll get, yeah, it, it also depends on how open you are, but I've had some pretty deep interactions with trees, too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And the sun and the moon, too. I think when we open ourselves up, that energy is everywhere and we can tap into it. But emotions for humans, emotions are what make humans and animals so unique in in the um, yeah, emotions are very powerful. Yeah, and and very physical. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't very think visceral. Um, when we work with non-physical beings, they don't tend to be as emotional unless they join up with the body. You know, so like when I have done channeling, um, I've had them get really emotional inside of me, but it's that physical body, the humanness that allows that thing. It's very important, our human body, right? Yeah. It allows us this contextual experience for emotion and physicality. Super right. important. This is what we came here Yeah. For. This is a whole world Earth experience is about emotions. And so I think, again, that's where I'm so in love with this um, show because they do understand and focus on the emotional aspect of it. I don't know. I was thinking also infatuation you know because people say oh you can't fall in love instantly but that chemical reaction can happen with someone instantly and sometimes it's we say oh it's just sexual but that would be the same thing that's the emotions lining up and it may last long term or short term but you see that happening and then all those women out there or men who are hanging out with women you know that if a group of women are living together, that their cycles get on the same path, um, and you end up with all... the alpha uterus, <laughs> right? Who has the alpha uterus? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we are definitely seeing evidence of that in just everyday things, for sure. So, should we dig in to the episode? Yes, let's go deep into the episode. All right, so we're going to tackle this a little bit. We're going to talk about limbic resonance a little bit more to start out with. Uh, I know it's not in, and then we'll get along to a conversation, and then we'll jump into the first scene, actually. So we're going to skip around a little bit. Um, Limbic resonance. Nick's in the show. He says, it's a language older than our species, and that's it. That's what that's how they introduce limbic resonance. It's just a quick one-liner. And that, I mean, gosh, we could go on and on about that older than our species. So what species was it? Or is it beyond Earth? Is it something we brought to Earth when we created the species? You know, that's like, that's a black hole. Right. Well, it, into the matrix. <laughs> the theory is that it's in all mammals, too. So were there mammals before humans? Right, so, yeah. You know that kind of thing, right. and and they do, and and they talk about a different species, right? That's the idea. And right. That's they are a right. Could be kind of a different. Yeah. Yeah. So in this scene, we got Riley, Nix, and her uh, her buddies just chilling out and talking, 
and we have um, one of the the gentlemen there. I don't know their names. They're kind of not important characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's just he's he's talking about this experience he had with his nieces, and um, I don't know if it was his sister or somebody, but they had an accident, and the nieces and him they they knew, but they didn't know what was going on. They felt compassion or whatever it would be for this person and they did it together. So there's more than even there they introduced the idea that more than one person can feel for another person. Mm-hmm. So it was plural. So I imagine there was three people cuddled up together feeling this um compassion or knowing that this person's bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that was pretty interesting. And that's just really quick. Right. <laughs> you know, I had a a situation similar to that years ago. Um, and we'll get into in a little bit when we talk about clusters, but my friend Daryl, who lived in England, and I live here um, in the in New York, and she was definitely, like, part, my first member of the cluster. Um, but she died, and I saw it here. She, there was a symbol that, that I knew about that when she died, she would be walking the hills of Scotland. Oh man, I'm gonna cry just talking about this. We haven't even gotten in, and this was this was just a little aside. But I saw her and her brother, who had died earlier, and that was it. She was gonna meet up with her brother, and I was laying on my couch, and I saw her mm-hmm. on the hills of Scotland, and it was like a an hour or so later that um, I don't, I think someone from my family came to the door because her mom didn't want me to be alone when I heard so they called my family first to come tell me and I was like but I know because I just saw her mm-hmm. so, I'm sorry, yeah what a powerful experience so yeah. yeah yeah so I can and they just throw that in like that's the thing about this there's so many I think that's why we all resonate with it so much because we've had little experiences and they just throw these one-liners in and it's like what <laughs> I have a whole story about that. right and that's perfect. That's why there's a huge fan base. That's why this is a, a magical show. And this was all presented in dialogue. Yeah. Again, I'm going back to the yeah. magic of dialogue right. with this show. Yeah, so keep going. On all right. So, so next, he throws in that line about, oh, yeah, it's limbic resonance. It's a language older than our species. And then they go on a little bit. And the other uh, guy who's not important, <laughs> he's like, they start talking about, right, this is where the drugs start to come into the show, and he's like, he says, you're talking about DMT. And Nix goes on to say, it's a simple molecule present in all living things. Scientists talk about it being part of an eco-biological synaptic network. When people take DMT, they see their birth, their death, worlds beyond this one, you're talking truth, connection, transcendence. And they just kind of slip that in as right after limbic resonance, and they just go on about the show. <laughs> so um, to me, this was when I was first watching the show, this is one of those things I'm like, whoa, that was the first kind of, did they just put that in there kind of thing? Because DMT and drugs and all these kind of things, they get to talk about what's taboo in society, right? Because we're talking about sexuality. Drugs are an underground thing. They're more popularized now with like trips to Peru to go have ayahuasca and all these things. But they've 
for the most part, always been in in my experience, it's it's a, you don't go there kind of thing. It's always underground. It's for bad people. It's for criminals. It's for all these kind of things. Uh, in the culture that I was brought up in. Right. Well, not always, because in traditional, um, there's definitely traditional indigenous culture. We're talking indigenous, not. They didn't. They, <laughs> with 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 the the culture I grew up in, yeah. you know, going to school with your dare program, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. The only way you take them is prescribed by a doctor. You know, there's so many laws against such great medicines, in my opinion, that we don't understand. So that's what I'm getting at. Is right. it's very even in the scene we're taking Riley, who's a DJ who does raves. Raves are notorious for drugs and candy kids and just so many different things. And they had to put it in that scene instead of a different scene, right? So they're kind of just, in my opinion, they're they're introducing it in a way that is acceptable because if you look at the dudes around them, they're not good dudes, right? right. And they all end up dead because they all want the drugs to sell them and make money or whatever in just a, a couple scenes. So anyway, um, so DMT and what was important in this particular scene for me is they talk to you about DMT, but really... We're talking about concepts. They're they're introducing the concept of everything is connected mm -hmm. and everything is one. And that so this was kind of a really big deal for me. It's one of the things that I picked up out of the episode that was just like, whoa, very awesome. I'm intrigued about this because we're where is where are they gonna take this? So Yeah, and for me, I mean I know DMT, but I have never I know people associate that with a drug, but the for me, I've always heard it as it's in everything and I know I'm connected to everything and I can link in through emotions and energy to everything. So for me, DMT, even though I know culturally it's often associated with a drug, uh, someone that, either, you know, I don't know if it's synthetic or if it's extracted or how it gets put into the body but something outside of us that we have to put in a lot of people think of it that way but to me i'm like no this is how i see it it's in everything it's in me i just have to link into everything and then it amplifies it for me so i hear it differently but you a lot of times people do associate it with drugs and in this scene it is associated with drugs. right well to my knowledge there, so as far as public information about drugs um especially hallucinations hallucinate um, hallucinogens thank you it wasn't until dmt the spirit molecule which you can find on netflix was in 2012 and this gentleman took it upon himself to do some experimentation uh with dmt and start to study it because we we're starting as a society as a whole we're really starting to study hallucinogens as therapeutical um medicines now indigenous people know about these things they've been using them for thousands of years but that's an old society without the laws that we have and they understand things that here in america in our culture we have laws against and we just have connotations and things that we're just really ignorant about the subject because it's illegal and, and things like that but anyway it wasn't until that um that movie comes out where he talks about well he thinks like none of this is set in stone but the idea is DMT is in everything, especially the plant life. And that's how you mentioned earlier 
that you've had those experiences with trees and plants and the sun and, and things like that. So if this is a molecule that resonates within everything and you can tap into that naturally, then you can have those experiences. So, but it wasn't, and it's not until in modern times anyway, that we're really starting to scientifically with scientists in a lab doing research and studies and stuff, really starting to understand what these can do for us. In my opinion. And nothing's real until it's scientific. Right. I'm not a good womp, womp, womp. at all because my son is a, an amazing scientist and I'm happy that he's a part of that world. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's interesting the use of drugs in this. Um, Well, even just let's. I was just taking a moment to think. You know, I mean, we're not. We said we don't promise no spoilers, but we're kind of trying to stick to that. Oh, we said we we're going to spoil. Yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. spoil. I said we didn't. I did a double negative. But anyway, <laughs> even in this, and we're getting into the original, the first scene too. But drugs are used in two ways here, and they right in the first episode they show both sides of drugs because. So you, and I don't know if you want to share anything about, you did go to Peru and have experience with ayahuasca, mm -hmm. um, and that was an opening experience for you. And for me, drugs, even just painkillers, when I have surgery, like I had surgery a few times that I've needed, well, surgeries, <laughs> when I've had surgeries. So for me, drugs are not cool. They shut down my systems like crazy so I could really relate like in the first scene and just, and as it goes on you know we know Will uses it but they use drugs to shut this connection down mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of people in society do use drugs to numb like very you when you're dealing with people who are in recovery from addictions often they are the some of the most empathic people and they were so sensitive to the world around them and if it's not a comfortable world then they use substances to numb themselves so we they really show both sides of the drugs and and that's not even talking about the not the over-the-counter drugs or the prescription drugs because right now most of our a lot of our society is numbing itself with prescription drug to make it legit right. you know the legal drug well, pushers and that's even right like that's what i'm talking about with uh, um and you were there when i had my knee surgery and um i was in so much pain even like if i get work done on my teeth i choose not to have novocaine because the novocaine is worse on me than the pain of the moment mm -hmm. um but with my knee surgery, and I couldn't get upstairs, so I asked you to take... I didn't let you throw them out yet, but like a couple days into it, I was such a mess from not having my connection that I'm used to that I asked you to take the pills upstairs where I couldn't... I wasn't even overusing them. I was using them less than they said, but I couldn't handle the being shut down. So I don't know. I think that's really cool that they show both sides of the drugs. Cause... Yeah, absolutely. And I think... And that's what I mentioned about our ignorance around drugs and, and medicine and plant medicine in particular versus chemical medicine. I'm not saying that those don't have their place and they're not helpful. And, and, it, and it's just really about finding the proper use for the medicine. Mm -hmm. 
and and that's where I don't believe where we have the wisdom in our mainstream culture to understand these things because we do have certain connotations around what drugs mean. Um, if you know, it's just society says American society says you can't have these things and that's bad and you're going to go to jail and all this kind of stuff. And that's been the opposite understanding of my past. So when I was roughly 20, I believe is actually when I started using drugs for the exact same reason you just talked about being very sensitive and no, I, I didn't have anybody to show me what empathy was or, or intuition or anything. You just know things and the world around you can be very painful and mine was. And so eventually I was also brought up very hardcore Christian, like Southern Baptist, uh, very strict <laughs> read read memorize your bible verses or you're going to get the belt kind of thing and when i was 17 i took my first drink of alcohol and it was a big deal because you're not supposed to drink you're not supposed to have sex before marriage all this kind of stuff and i took this drink and i had a blast and i'm not condoning alcohol actually i think it's one of the worst things on the planet for us but at that moment i was just like wow what is the big deal why is this such a a stigma on and then and then it was sex came next and i wasn't married and i was like what what is wrong with people like what what is the story that i'm being told like there's this other world of awesomeness that's not filled with um it's just being natural and eventually i had to get rid of the guilt of all those things and that did happen but in those moments, it was just this awakening, like, man, whatever society is telling me is not accurate in my society, right? The, the people I grew up around with and the religion and, and my perception of all of those things. So that was, that was an easy gateway for me to say yes to other drugs and harder drugs. And so when I took my first hallucinogens when I was 21... I believe that was the first time I had mushrooms. So I've had LSD, I've had mushrooms, I've had DMT as in ayahuasca, not the chemical stuff. So I've I've been introduced to a lot of drugs, ecstasy and all these things, but it wasn't until much later in my life, if up into my 30s where I really started to understand, like I said, the the magic and the purpose of these things. So you start to take them to numb yourself and party and have a good time. But then I started to realize the healing properties of these things. Like ecstasy, for example, was legal up until the 80s, and they used it for therapy um, in regulated situations where you had a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I forgot which one deals, deals out drugs. Yeah, so they could do that, and they could use it for therapy, and there's actually talk of bringing that back. But... To me, that particular substance really opens up your heart center and it lets you be true to your, like, it's like a truth serum. It's really crazy. They call it ecstasy for a reason, but it is very therapeutical. And so there's a lot of people that could use that. But then when you go back later and you take these substances after you've done your healing work, of course, it's not going to work the same as the first time you took it. But then I started to experience that I, myself, my physical being was not in so much trauma that the 
the drug itself didn't have the effects that it did. I didn't need it anymore to keep my heart open and to love people and be truthful and authentic to myself. But telling a, a 17, you know, people don't know about these things. There's not this wisdom unless you have somebody in your life telling you and guiding you along the path of even not using drugs, maybe, right? Having a, a Sheila in your life to teach you about emotions and empathy and intuition and visions and all this stuff instead of keeping it hidden. Yeah, I think that that's a, a really good point. And when we go back to the scene um, with Nix and Riley and then the next scene, it really kind of shows that difference. So when she ends up using the drugs, she does have a positive experience but it gets broken up by a really violent experience. Mm -hmm. And so the the underground energy of it and the unsafety of these drugs is also the use that's happening now because they're they're being used in unsafe situations a lot of times, which then... Right, everybody reacts differently to all sorts right. of drugs, so you never know what's going to happen. So if you're listening, I'm not, rec I'm not, I'm not telling you to go out and do anything. <laughs> Right. I mean, well, and I've been the other side of just, it just wasn't a good idea. Like I just knew, but you also mentioned you noticed after it that you um, didn't need it anymore. Like it, it, it did its job. And I think that's the other thing. It is a, it's a gateway drug. Like I think that these can, when used in the right way, can be gateways, which we're going to talk about a little later too. A lot of times people get stuck in the gateway, and then that doesn't help you. So if you, if you just go keep going back for that same moment and not realizing that that just opened up your system, and then you carry it further in other ways. Right. Yeah. So cool. All right. So that's <laughs> that's all about the limbic resonance and and the scene where they bring it out. Even though limbic resonance, I think really covers everything that happens in Sensei. Right. I think the idea of limbic resonance is a scientific explanation or one of them for oneness, right? Our, our brain really can't distinguish itself between another person. Mm -hmm. The brain, physical brain, not the the personality and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, there's recently been uh, a video rolling around and it talks about how we just kind of hallucinate all the time our brain is literally hallucinating all the time and they've done experiments where they put fake a fake hand where your hand should be and they put a board in front of you and they actually will hit the fake hand and your brain doesn't know the difference and you re react and pull your hand away even though you physically know that's not your hand so i mean there's just a bunch of experiments going around um and that's the thing with science i love science too but there's something that's been around a lot longer than our current science that a lot of masters and teachers have been talking about for the longest time, but yet um, it's important for some people's minds to, so, oh, this is science, it's solid, but the oh, thing with right. science is we always will find a new device to discover more of life that's already been there. Right, well, a, a true scientist does have to look beyond what's here. Mm -hmm. in order to discover more. So it's really the same energy, but it's, and I think a, a, a really good scientist will use both sides, both hemispheres of the brain, the logic and the emotional, um, in order, in the intuitive, in order to get new information. But I think our society definitely likes that logic 
and needs that to anchor in some truths. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So let's keep going. To the first scene. (laughs) Oh, man. I am really excited to talk about this first scene. It is the most frustrating thing, I think, to me in the entire series so far, aside from Netflix (laughs) saying there's no more Sensei. So they think. Yeah, so they think. So in the first scene, we have a woman. Like if you're... Oh, first, before we even go a little bit further, let's reiterate that it was a creative choice mm-hmm. by the writers to show the audience only the information that the characters had at the time when they recorded those scenes. So that's really important to know as you're going in because there's a lot of confusion yeah. in the very first. I mean, there's confusion, but... And there's a lot of confusion in the first three, and we get taken on the same journey, and it's not necessarily fun. Right. So that's, I think, why we have to keep telling people, watch the first three. But it's the same as in real life. Like, when people come to work with me and they're just starting to open up, it's like, keep, you know, let's keep going. You're at the hardest part, really. And it all gets... Or even, like, when I do the Consciously Awesome program... And people get stuck. It's like, you got to keep going. Right. The chaos ends when you get more information. So I like that they did it. But I see how that creative choice could have made it harder (laughs) for people to engage in the beginning. Because we don't want that discomfort sometimes. Right. But then again, we did talk about how hard it is to write multidimensional media, you know? So it's crazy. Yeah, it is. and actually having the impact is an amazing choice. It's an awesome choice. It's what makes it stand out. And thank God they don't always, you know, we're just never going to get anywhere if artists are always just doing the same thing. Yeah, works, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like the scientist. You got to keep going. So we got this woman, Angela. She's chilling out on this bed in this broken down building. She's clearly, <laughs> she's either got some type of fever you know, she's got the dengue fever or something. She's sweating or she's doing some drugs. We do find out she's doing some drugs. But at first, you're just like, this is a really creepy scene. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's, the, it's that whole, like, dirty drugs kind of thing. She's all strung out on a dirty mattress in a broken building. And then all of a broken sudden. Broken church. I yeah. Think that uh, is really symbolic. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. Like, I overlooked that, too, in the beginning. I did, too, I until know. you just brought it up. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance that that was a mistake or right. right? a coincidence. Like, it had to be a church. So much has been consciously placed in the oh, show. Yeah. That's so cool. So she's having a rough time. You can tell she's in pain. So she's going to go to those drugs. And we don't really get to know all of those drugs that were in there until later in the season. Um, but we have this guy just show up out of nowhere, and he starts talking to her. And they start talking about having kids or birthing so you're like what's going on it's so so frustrating the scene and then you have another guy show up in her other ear and they're contradicting each other and playing it you know whispers as we find out is playing against jonas and you know jonas and angela are they have a relationship of some sort so this is a right they, they they do and the clock's ticking Guys roll up in into the um, into the broken church to grab Angela, and this is it was so frustrating to watch the scene the first time. You're just like, oh, like I, 
I had questions, but it was just so dirty that I didn't want to continue watching to find the answers. Like it wasn't that intriguing to me because of the scene. But then, so I've only watched it once all the way through. I'm going back the second time for the podcast and really digging into this. But the dialogue that we have going on is so, it's such, we talk about multidimensionality and they set up the story arc so perfectly in the scene, but you don't know that until you know the story arc. And that's what's so frustrating about it to me um, going through that. And then what makes it so brilliant when you... Exactly, it is. It's like, whoa. This is definitely not just for people. This is for people, I think, what it's sparking. But I think that as humans, we're evolving to this point of wanting more. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been dumbed down in so many areas of life. Like, entertainment has dumbed down. Not all of it, but, I mean, I think that we're craving. Sustenance. Yeah. And so... But you don't really know when you watch the first scene. Is this just another, you know, bullshit type of a <laughs> right. show? Except, luckily, the Pachowskis have a reputation that makes people like us keep going. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's got to be something more, you know? And if we keep spreading the word, get past episode three, and you're going to love those later, you know? Right. The characters really start to grow on you. For sure. Yeah. And to me, that's important. Character development that's super and, important. And even, you know, for me, well, I, I want to just point out, because we're going to talk about this in speculations, because, you know, is Jonah a, a good guy? Is Angelica a good guy? You know, is she on the good side? Well, we, we know from the dialogue, she's on both sides. So we've got, but we've got this whole, like, they actually have a scene where Jonas is, the way it's filmed, Jonas is on her one shoulder and Whispers is on the other shoulder. Well, in the Christian's lore, right? Like, not the Bible or, but, like, you've always got those images. And it's gone in film, too. Like, you've got the angel on one side and Mm -hmm. the devil on the other. I'm pretty sure the angel's usually on the left side, which is where Jonas is. And the devil. I don't know if they thought that through, but that scene was the angel and the devil whispering in your ear at the same time, which is a very common Theme. mythology yeah. in mm-hmm. our culture. Um, duality. And then you've got the duality. Yeah. You've got the yeah. So interesting for me in my energetic work, I've had people do. I, on my um, healing table, I've had people go through the birthing process and like birth themselves. Not even that I'm facilitating, it spontaneously happens for them. More than one time I've seen people do that. So I actually, when I was watching it and she was giving birth, but she wasn't pregnant, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this, <laughs> which I don't think that many people have. But we give birth to ourselves or energetically mm-hmm. often um, and people who surrender into it like she did. Yeah, he shows up and then they're talking about giving whoever these things are or beings at the time like a chance right without being born they'd have no chance of defending themselves basically and so angela goes through this painful birthing process after i believe she hooks herself up with some more drugs (laughs) um or she was going to yeah Yeah, she was going to and then she she reaches her hand out and he shows up and he comforts her and he walks her through that and 
then you start to see the main characters and she just shows up in their lives just kind of in rags and they're all freaking out like what's going on why am i seeing this woman and yeah, she's in the white she's got the long blonde hair right so there's sort of like this stereotypical angel look to except her, for she looks she's <laughs> strung out on heroin <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> She's all sweaty and gross looking. But I think that each of the characters then interpret her differently based on their perception. We actually don't. We're going to get into each of the characters because that's what else is happening in this episode. We get introduced to them next. But um, we don't actually see Leto see her. It's just referenced later that he did, which is interesting because most of them we see her show up. She, she, no, yeah. So Lito, yeah, Lito, Lito's walking through the church. So we don't know these characters yet. So you have this guy with a gun, you know, this hot looking Spanish dude or Mexican dude is walking through this church. You don't know who he is yet. So you don't know that he's acting right. So that was pretty cool. It's like, oh man, this is going to get intense. And then she shows up right in front of him before he sees the priest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how that goes. Okay. I know at one point. But he just keeps going. Okay. At one point, that he references, you were having visions of angels yesterday, or something like that. So I, I thought it. Yeah, that's. I think that's two different scenes because they they plop her down in front of everybody. Yeah. In there, but so, before we move on to that, I do want to talk about what I think is like really important. And so we have this. They set up the entire story arc that they have not finished yet, just in this first scene, and it has to do with the story between. Angela, Jonas, and Whispers, and whoever else there might be. And what was obviously, so Whispers, she tells Jonah she loves him. And Whispers is like, nah, you don't. You haven't told him yet? So here's my question about that. Right. Does he know you're lying? Right. But wouldn't he? I mean, that's just kind of a critique. If they're all sensates, if you will, they all know each other's energy and can feel each other's thoughts. How can you hide something from somebody? Because she can get away with lying to one of them mm-hmm. and not the other in that in that scenario. So that was just a question I had. How well, does that work? Is she getting, so she can get away with lying to one of them. So I think she's lying to Whispers. We don't know who Whispers is and what that is. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's levels of connection within and so Jonas and Angelica would be that deeper level of connection but I don't know I mean I see that's my I mean we can do some speculation here if you want what in the when I first watched it I was in I'm not saying I totally trust Jonas and Angelica now uh, because I think well they were up to no good whether they changed their ways or not one way or another they didn't start out right in my opinion Right, and I think that if we're, if you know, my worldview is we're evolving as a human species, that, or, you know, if we want to say multiple species, so I could see that, you know, in this idea of a cluster, that the cluster before would struggle more, and then this struggle would take it a little bit further, um, and she's obviously trying to help the sensates, and so is Jonas, I mean, she says help them. Um, I mean, and that's what I wanted to talk about. She says, protect them. And he doesn't answer. 
doesn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't say he'll do it. He just says the only thing that he does say is like you'll always be in my heart. And then Whisper shows up and she's like, protect them. But he doesn't say that he was. And that's why I think, that's why I don't trust Jonas a, a lot. Um, he's set up to be a good guy. Maybe. Sort of. I, right? To me, when I first watched it, he, I didn't think he was set up necessarily to be a good guy. I thought we were supposed to be suspicious, just like the sensates should be suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's still in the gray area because, you know, that's we won't get too far into the series, but. Right, and I, I'm not going to be totally surprised if they have him. See, I think this goes down to, is it really good guys and bad guys? And I think that I feel like, you know, because I'm so close with the Ch- Wachowski. <laughs> <laughs> so close. I feel like they're going to show layers. And I think that there is no good and bad. And I think so when we get backstories, it's grayer, right? It's usually grayer. Um, and I think I think there's grayness around Jonas and Angelica and Whispers. And, um, and maybe people start, people do things most of the time with good intentions and they can go really awry. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's. Um, and then when you get into survival mode, you start behaving just to survive. It's hard to do much more than that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it could really go in a lot of different directions there. So yeah, this but Jonas says some pretty amazing lines throughout the series. Yeah, a lot of them do though, right? Like it's it's good. It is good to show the life's not black and white. Right. You know, I it's gray, and so. everybody's just doing what they need to do to. Make it right until they die, because <laughs> we're all gonna die. <laughs> and then you got the whole suicide in there. That's pretty interesting. I mean, we could talk forever, but mm-hmm. um, so we got Angela. She just gave birth, whatever that means, to our cast of characters that we're gonna follow. We have Jonah who leaves because Whispers shows up, and Angela's going to kill herself, and she does. And then we have Whispers, who seems like the crazy bad guy who was scheming and plotting (laughs) right exactly and then they then we get to go meet the characters so i mean in this i think we don't get much of the characters but you want to just for the sake of saying it bringing them into our energy field talk about each one a little bit we just talked about leto um he's in mexico city and he enters in the church, but we don't know he's an actor. We don't. Point. We don't. So we we get to know. We get do get to know in in that episode later on because they go into the trailer and stuff, and they take the um, he's messing up his lines. So, but the first scene was pretty cool. Just like, what's going on with this guy? It's so intense. Yeah. And so actually, let's talk a little bit, as we go through each character, let's talk a little bit about the gateway to what allows them to um, see angelica or so they start to open up and and they they actually represent different gateways so with leto it's his creative art right he is in the arts he's an actor we don't know that yet but it's he's in creative mode Mm -hmm. acting and it's that creativity the art that opens him up to the that acts as the gateway to the vision um, and creative energy is crazy important to being a human being, in absolutely. my opinion. You know. It's creation energy right. in, in human form. So, yeah. And then we have Riley Blue. 
And I would have to say, so she's an Icelandic DJ. Uh, and I would have to say that her gateway is kind of drugs. But Ish. first sees, I mean, she may have been on drugs that night. We don't know before she takes it later. She definitely uses drugs for it. And she references drugs. Oh, because they reference her having seen, she's seen it actually when she's just sitting there um, by vaping, I think, or smoking something. So probably, yeah. But we also have the music in there because she starts to see things in the rave while she's doing her music. So you got a little bit of both going on. And she does connect with Nomi and Nita when they take uh, Brownie that's Mm -hmm. in pot. She gets pulled into their scene that way. And then later you see her connect with Will very deeply when she has DMT. Right. So, I mean, definitely that's kind of her thing. But I think there's also the creativity with her. And then we got Sun Bak from Korea, who's a high-level business woman in Seoul. And with her, when she first sees Angela, she is practicing. Angelica. Oh, sorry, yep, yeah, Angelica. She is practicing akata or doing tai chi. Some. Tai chi is like oh, okay. I mean, you don't really know, but that's what. The, right. Yeah. That's what the descriptions say. <laughs> sure. IMDb. So, um, but yeah, so there's that kind of martial arts movement meditation Mm -hmm. um, gateway. We also see emotion with her. That's a little bit later, but... um, Anger. Anger. She sees her fist go, and that's when she first opens up to the cluster a little bit. Um, And then her emotion and anger about what's going on in the work. You see the chicken come in, so... Um, both of those for her too. And I think that's true. Like, I think people use more than one gateway to experience it. Oh, sure. Yeah. The different ways that they do. Um, Wolfgang, the German locksmith. Just dancing in the club. He's in the club too with the music. Yeah. Um, so... Is that his first scene? I'm not remembering exactly. Yeah, it's real first... It's real quick. It's just when, that's when they first show Angela seeing him. Angelica. Sorry, <laughs> Angelica. Um, so, yeah, so she, so his is just music as far as we know at that point. Right. Will, he's the American police officer. Yeah, and gets a little deep here. <laughs> and he has a dream. Yeah. But, no, yeah, and it's him as a little boy following a, per, a little girl, girl which we'll learn about later, yeah, asking for help, and she points him to that. Right. So a so dream or a vision. with a dream or a vision, but he wakes up. He does. And he's hearing Riley's music. Or, yeah, 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 Wolfgang's or Riley's, one of the two. Oh, right. Well, I think they flashed to Riley, so. And then they end up deeply. Right. I, I, I love that scene where he's just so pissed <laughs> off at the neighbors and they're not there. They don't exist. It's like he's tripping or something. It was hilarious to me. Yeah. But dreams, dreams are definitely the way people. Mm-hmm. So we add in that gateway that people open up during dreams. And um, Kala, she's the Indian pharmacist in Mumbai. Um, and she's just walking down the stairs. And she sees Angelica. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So she. So we don't really know what her gateway is. I, I don't. Maybe she just. Maybe she, she doesn't she have one. Is, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, because like we kind of talked about, we don't remember our first waking up. Right. Maybe that she's the character that just doesn't have one. Right. Because she, she feels the rain, and it's not raining outside, but yeah. she's just going to work. Like there was no indication that maybe stress for her. I don't know. I don't think so. I think she just is. It's just, yeah. But then we have that whole idea. I mean, she's she's going to the temple, um, talking to Ganesh. So she's got a spiritual connection of her own in those traditions that are in their truest way or what we think of as they open you up. And they do. I'm not saying they don't. But I think she has a traditional... So she's got, she's kind of tied to a traditional system of opening up to spirit, where it's normal a little bit, sort of, even though she thinks it's weird, <laughs> you know. And then Capius, uh, the Kenyan bus driver. And we don't see a lot of him. He just is driving the bus and sees her. And I don't recall. And then we have the scene with his mom. Well, he... I think he's probably emotional too. This is limbic resonance, so they're mostly all reacting from emotions in their life. But also, the very first scene when they see Angelica, that's not even put on necessarily by their gateways. A little bit like opens it up for them. Mm -hmm. But that's also Angelica reaching out to, to them, them right. and that whole explosion of energy that's beyond us, you know. So sometimes I think it comes in from. Not us, and then we start to see from the gateway. So that's interesting. And then we got Nomi, American hacker and political blogger. And, and yeah, go ahead. Where is Nomi first? Well, just really quick, she's oh, mm, she's in her room. Oh, her very first thing. She's yeah, and she's and... just doing her hormone injections for the week or whatever, right. and she sees her in the mirror or something. Yeah, she does. Mirrors, and interesting, like, from old school uh, witch and, <laughs> and different kind of sorcery things. Right. Mirrors are often used, too. She sees her in the mirror. Um, I mean, we don't know if they just had sex, but Neitz is in the tub. And right. And she's giving herself the hormones or whatever. They're together, so that could be the sex as a gateway, too. But, yeah. So... And then they have to go through the, I mean, this is now we're on that journey that is uncomfortable for the viewer as well, because now they all have to deal with these visions that are happening. And so the next couple episodes, well, really all of it, but we have that discomfort of dealing with that, that comes up. Right. And well, and as a watcher too, you have, you just got introduced to um, eight different story arcs plus the master story arc from the first scene. And you don't really know that yet. You know what I mean? Like they right, so all have, confused. you know, and that's reminding me. So because I am really sensitive to energies, um, I have this experience, a similar experience to this every time I go into a new social media. So first time way back at MySpace when I opened up to that and suddenly my world opened up to all these beings energy it took me days to settle. Like my brain was just, I didn't realize what it was because I hadn't really done that before, but um, just opening up to all those energies of people around the world. And because I am so telepathic, I was getting an empathic. I was getting all these feelings and emotions. It happened again when I transferred over to 
um, Facebook and it took me a few days before I'm like, oh, right, this is what it is, you know. And at Facebook, I was opening them up, up to people from my whole life, you know, my childhood and then people that I didn't know. And um, by the time I moved over to Twitter, I kind of knew, okay, just, you know, every time you open a new account, you open to a big group of people, just chill. But they're kind of doing that same, having that same experience here. And so are we, because it's like, you start getting everybody's feelings, everybody's cravings, all these different things. And you don't know who's who, and you think it's yours. Like, you think this is your stuff you're dealing with because you don't know any better. There's nobody there to tell you. You know, you can't talk to anybody about it. It's like, oh, no. So you kind of got to bump around in the dark. Right. And so I like, again, now that I know, (laughs) I think that these episodes are brilliant because Mm -hmm. we get to be right in there. And I think that's partly why we all feel so deeply connected and why we feel like we're going on this journey with them. Why it's blurring over from television into real life as far as the fan base, the connections, and, and, and I mean... Because they did a really great job giving us a reflection of an experience that we already know. Right, right. And then they keep walking us through it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so people that maybe have gotten stuck in there start to breathe and be like, oh, okay, there's a pathway out. So they do an incredibly brilliant you know, I've, I've been trying to help people through that pathway and then they come up and they do a show that just naturally helps people without even telling them that that's what they're going to do, which is just brilliant. It is. Now we've been introduced to the cluster. Let's talk about a cluster a little bit. Yeah. What is a cluster? What is a cluster? <laughs> so in the show, we start to learn, and I don't think we know this in episode one, but we start to learn. They say it's a different species. Eventually. Uh, right, eventually. But I'm just saying we're going to talk about Cluster now. So we're mm-hmm. not exactly, we're going to yeah. kind of draw on what we know about the show. They were all born on the same day physically in their original birth. And then another sensate births them in and that awakens them and ignites them in a way. So we are, they kind of do set it as a different type of a evolution than what we think of as humans often, but I don't know. I I can see it in lots of different ways and I can interpret that in lots of different ways. I do, so in my metaphysical training, there's the um, one originally, the old school teaching of it was um, the seventh root race. Um, I've heard star children. There are beings that haven't been cycling on Earth in the same soul evolution that start to come in. Um, So I get it from that perspective. And then there's also souls that have been coming to Earth that I think are evolving to this. So, you know, we've talked about, and I bet you out, you know, all of you listening too, you can understand this, like, it's really hard to bring in these concepts and we can understand concepts beyond our mind in a way, but as soon as we try to relate them to each other through art or through conversation, we need structure because that's what humans do where we create structure. Um, so, so having said that in the show, they 
create a structure around what a cluster is to give us mm -hmm. a framework, an understanding, a lore that we can move along the story with. And I get that. I see a little different. Well, I mean, I've had the same. I've been given kind of that lore in my own words, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, so I don't really think that clusters have to do with your age being exactly the same or when you were born on that same day. I think that's a good way to show us that there's a connection right from birth, even if you don't remember it till later. Um, and that the connection kind of happened before you come in, in a sense. Um, and it gives us just a structure to, to frame a story around. Right. We need, um, we need and context. And boundaries. Like, okay, so in this group, you know, sensates can do this and it only happens in that group. And then other sensates without your cluster can do different things. So that you need those types of things to set a story and mm -hmm. a plot and, and all of those. And as humans, we rely on those types of things. But really, we have to get beyond them or we end up limiting. So if we stick to just that part of the story, I don't think we're honoring the writer's intention of telling us this. I don't think they believe that it's limited to those things. I think that that's the structure that they put around it, in my opinion. But it's the remembering that you're... Familiar. Right, we got to tell a story, we need structure, and sometimes we need training wheels. And I think that's really what those were, because later into the show, we kind of... They start to break out of that in a really awesome way. If in, Even in the beginning, so Whispers can see into any pod when he sees you and you look back, right? So that's this, this idea that you can be connected outside of your pod. So, but we need to have this core group. And I think those are just kind of the training wheels that we can take off. But more importantly, the reason we're talking about this is how can we live a sensate life, right? How can we be sensitive as a real life person? Was what is that our what's our perspective about how we can relate with other people? Do we have a pod? Can we relate to people most people like this or just is it just other sensitive people like us do you know what i mean do we have anybody in our life does this extend out to i don't know everything in creation including animals like empathy right it the it doesn't know the difference between who's who it's just a resonance it's field of energy We're that saying, sinks there up you go. right the resonance we have frequencies that we are by nature or by existence that we resonate more closely with. And those resonants um, maybe spark that deeper ability to have the empathic connection and, and do these things. So for me, my lore that I was shown, and the way I've kind of taught it, it's like we all believe in, well, I don't know if everyone believes in oneness, but between science and spirituality, we've kind of come to a conclusion that we're all one energy. And then... How is how are we these individual beings and also one energy and how do we connect to each other? So for me, it's not separating. We're not separated from source because we are source. So I was shown like cell division. Okay, so when a cell it, when we're creating human because everything's replicated in the physical. So when we're creating human birth. The, we start with a single cell and that divides into two cells, but we have two complete cells. We don't have less than, we actually replicate. So one cell divides and then there's two whole beings in those cells and then those divide and then those divide. 
And so that's how I was shown our souls come to human form. So while we may be a cell of human existence, we're still all of uh, all of existence in that cell. So for me, it was interesting because they chose the eight, and and then within the eight, we see some, we start to see some more closeness developing in some of them. So I was shown that our our sort of soul family or our most connected are those last cells of oneness that we divided from when we became our individual selves. So the last one would be like, for me, it was the twin flame, but there's like a really deep resonance with that last division. Um, or maybe when you're going back, I guess that's, I don't know how it works. But then, and then there's four before that, right? Like there's four cells that when those divide, it goes into four cells. Um, so it's kind of going backwards, I guess. But, um, and then there's the closeness to that. And then the next four would make that eight. And that would be like the cluster. So I've actually had a similar understanding of that, but not not as, like you just mentioned a pod. Sometimes I call it a pod, whole family, that close resonance. And now going into what you said, I think that that resonance, when we come upon them, it acts as that gateway. It makes mm -hmm. it easier for us to jump into those things. Like we can actually do those things with everyone when we remember how and we connect to our oneness and to we learn how to move along that whole spectrum. But when we get together with people that resonate with us like that, at that very similar frequency, it's way, it almost spontaneously happens. That's right. It's, it's like we're on. We're on the same wavelength, man, right. you know, so it makes it easier. And then once you under, once you've experienced those wavelengths, if you will, and those experiences, then if you're so inclined, you can start to take the same energy patterns and use that with other people that don't resonate with you. If they're willing, you know, I mean, it is probably spontaneous, but people come and go out of your life that are way out, you know, you just get really buddy buddy or you know this soulmate and they come and go and uh, sometimes you don't have that experience right away with somebody and you end up having a really deep relationship where you can connect like that with somebody right. you know so I think it's great because we have those we have those people in our lives and we have those training wheels but just to take that and the next step further and say even saying like hey this is just this one person that I can do this with just understanding that oh this is just energy that I can produce and resonate at and if other people resonate with the same energy, then we can have the same experience. Right, because ultimately we want to move beyond a cluster. We want humanity to reach this state. Like that right. is the goal. Even in Sense 8, that is, I think, the underlying goal, right? If, mm -hmm. we, if we reach this state of consciousness, the world will shift. So, But examples... Oh, I know what I didn't want to say. So I'm pretty sure it was Lana in one of the interviews I was listening to she mentions um that the show is about the quantum nature of life cutting boundaries and so i think that that's really important to remember and to do justice to the show we should remember that it's a quantum show and as much as humans that we want to kind of hold on to pieces that we can grab from our physicality we have to remember they're working really hard to say something quantum in a linear form. And that's like 
So if you're listening, that's your homework, to go study quantum physics. <laughs> or to just understand that it's like beyond, you know, it's stacked. Right. It's a good show is What the Bleep. It came out a long time ago. You could watch that. It's a good introductory show. There's been some discoveries since then, but it's a yeah, good starter show. Yeah, I think quantum, I think it is important to realize that we're getting... Understanding and entanglement <laughs> and things. I I actually just, I haven't read it yet, but I'll look and I'll tell you in one of the other episodes. I got a book about that recently, and I don't remember the title or what it was, but I think it's, it's supposed to be like, it's not cliff notes for it, but it's supposed to be like quantum physics for easy easy read or something like that so when i i'll, I'll tell you guys in the next couple episodes if i remember um but i want to talk about have you had experiences with people that you felt that resonance really closely and some of those things happen mm, i can't really say i've had some drug-induced experiences where i was able to have telepathic conversations and those are amazing because you're talking in telepathy and it works like you just you're not saying anything you're just having your experience and somebody comes into your experience and you just say to them hey we're gonna have this conversation so one time so i was i was with this uh, a really good friend of mine and i was like hey we can do this like he didn't know that it could happen i told him i like this is gonna happen and you just have to wait for it and it will and I was just doing my thing, chilling out, and he came into my room where I was, and it happened. We just sunk up, and I started talking to him. I wasn't saying any words, and I was just, like, relating energy to him in words. And we just start busting up laughing because it's one of the most amazing experiences you could have. So that was one instance. And then another one, I was actually able to, we are kind of in, like, this cuddle puddle but I was able to use my consciousness to move my friend's body and limbs. And he wasn't doing it, and I was. And we just busted up laughing because I kind of took over the energy in that space. But I really haven't had any um, – I've more of – The person right before you came here, there's a woman you were really connected to. I thought you had some telepathic connection. Yeah, there's – there's been, I haven't, um, as far as like having conversations or anything, like there's been really intense experiences where I've, that particular person you're talking about, I would look at her and I would see my soul inside of her. And it was like this really amazing reflection. So it was very um, infatuating to say the least, because it, it these these experiences that we talk about are so hard to talk about in words because they're multi-dimensional experiences, right? So we try to break them down. And and so yes, that was that. But a lot of my understanding and experiences have actually been with myself. Mm-hmm. Um bringing in information or visions or telepathy. Like I it's hard to explain, but gnosis um things that happen within me uh versus outside of me. I've had very, um, so after in 2013, I was very telepathic where I could know what was going to happen in a room. So I was at a coffee shop, for example, and I thought to myself, these two guys walk in and I go, Oh man, I have to buy them coffee today because I just knew that's what was going to happen. So 
I was sunk up with them, and that that's actually what happened. They forgot their wallet. They're my friends. They're my coworkers and stuff. But I just I kind of lingered and started talking, and both of them didn't have their wallets, and I ended up buying them coffee. So that's an example of, and I knew that was going to happen. And so when you start to open up to frequencies and and messages, and then watch the synchronicities happen, and then play along with them, it's a really a very joyous way to live life is to have those experiences. So yeah, there I guess there have been, um, but it really felt like more of a one-way thing instead of a two-way thing for the most part, if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, I think for me also there is a lot of one-way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does make sense. Well, one-way because I'm so... <laughs> there's one-way going both ways because um, because this is what I do. Um, I can do that with like a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but also because I don't always have my consciousness on everyone. My Like I can't put my attention on everyone, but a lot of people will have experiences with me that I have some recollection of or some memory, but I don't have my full attention on it because my human self can't, but my higher self can. But I had, I would say there's like three, there, I mean, there's more and probably I would say my daughter um, is my kids, both kids. Well, I'm really telepathic with uh, my son. And again, that's just his being, but also a connection to us. And then my daughter as well. And I, it's interesting because she comes in as a daughter in this lifetime. So you've got that bond and it's hard to delineate. But going back into my teenage years, I talked about my friend Daryl or Daz. Um, that would be my first experience before I was thinking like this. And I did a high school exchange and I ended up at her house. And her her mom, who I'm still like, they were like my parents too. We became very close, but um, her mom will tell a story of when I got off the bus, I had like long blonde hair and makeup on and girly girly. And Daryl was a total tomboy, and they'd had bad experiences before. She's just not having it. Oh, man. But we were so close, like, right from the, like, the moment we would just, we were just with each other. We would stay up all night, like, laughing and, and crying, and it was just this really intense bond. And then that was in the country, East Grinstead, and, um, then... This, you know, my other students, we had to go into London for a week before we came home. She was so upset about the pull away from me. She got all the other students from the school in East Grinstead to skip school and go into London for teenagers just to do this without telling their parents was like huge so she could see me again. And then, of course, the teachers found out and and they were getting the other, the, you know, UK students on the bus and they had to pull her away from me. Like, it was intense. Mm-hmm. And then that was before email and all of that. So we didn't, and we would write letters, but we would never send, like, we hardly ever sent the letters. But then when we would connect, we knew everything. There was never anything to catch up on. It, it was so wild. And then... She did end up dying, which I said, and I was with her for the last week before she died. I had just come back, um, and that week was the same thing. It was like we put this bubble in. She she was on her deathbed when I got there, and then she got to drive her sports car with me in it while I was there, go for walks. I mean, she couldn't get out of bed before I got there, but there was something about us 
um, that gave, you know, her dad hugged me and said, thank you for giving us our dads back um, because they got this week of her being alive again. Um, but even when email came in, we didn't use it. Like, we're like, oh, cool, now we can write. We didn't even use it. You didn't it need to, slow. right? Like, it was like, so that was one. And she continues to be with me. And then my next one would be the one that I would say was like that really close connection. And again, I mean, I'm. it sounds kind of tragic. This isn't going to happen to all of you. But he's crossed over since too. But we had a lot of years together. And when you were saying, you know, these conversations the telepathic, I, I still, I mean, he opened me up to so much because, or our connection did, because we could teleport with each other easily, we could see, and, and it was so natural for him. Um, I remember once he yelled at me, because we would have these conversations, and then he, I'd go and see him in person, and I think, you know, I should repeat what we said, <laughs> And I just remember Emil, and he's like, will you stop repeating what we already talked about? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So he was really good at pushing me to, and then we had incidences where I could feel him and, I, you know, all of that. So, And then I have one more that um, happened in the last, set. so by this point, I was really used to it um, when I connected to this other friend and it was more new to him, but so we would practice a lot of the telepathy, um, and we used, and this is a cool thing to say, because it might be something people want to practice, now that texting or messaging is a thing, so we would just have our conversations in our head, and then use the text message just to sort of anchor it, and he wanted to try things like, okay, what am I thinking about now, but the thing with that is, that's already in the past, because as soon as you ask someone, what am I thinking about now? You're thinking about if the person can figure out what you're thinking about. So it doesn't really work. So just to give you guys, like, if you want to play around with a telepathic connection, um, I found through him, we found that it was much better to just answer a person's question on text if you heard it or... So it happened, and, and I think that... Um, yeah, so you can practice, right? Yeah. Just so to make sure... You, it just gives you that reassurance. But right. as soon as you start trying, you can't. And that's in that's one of the lines. I don't know if it's in this episode, but it's it's something like it's not something you try for. It's something you allow. I think Jonah... I mean, Jonah says some really good lines. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Jonah says that at some point. Like, you can't make this happen. You have to allow... So, like, if you're practicing with friends and you want to, like, try to make it happen, it's not going to work. But if you allow it, and when you get that little urge of just something random that you're going to say to that person, then you tell them. And with him, like, I could always tell when he was drinking. Or he would, you know, like, because we would instantly feel it in each other. Um, when he went to Amsterdam, that was crazy for me I think even the distance makes a difference it actually makes it stronger which is interesting with these guys around the world if you see when they start coming together they don't rely on it as much because they're talking to each other but when he was in Amsterdam it took me a couple days to realize what was going on but just from him being in that energy I was like high and um I couldn't break from it like and I didn't know 
what that was. Like it was. I think just, we went out to a book signing uh, that that week too. That was not good. So you you were in public and people at least one person noticed. Well, that was a different league. Actually. Oh, okay. And that was when he had moved away and came back to town, and he was out partying and got really drunk and. I started acting like. Luckily, you guys knew what was going on, and you were. Well, I had been with her that day, just so you know. And unless she was squeezing some hooch in behind my back, I she was sober, but not really. Yeah, it seemed like it. That it's cool, but frustrating too, you know. But luckily, you guys kept me good and professional. Yeah, <laughs> as much as we could. It was a good day. Stop linking into me. It was a good day. So uh, neither of us really had any opening experiences like they're demonstrating in the show um and we gave you some examples of some connections that we've had in our life now hey i want to hear from you guys so hit us up on twitter at live underscore sensei and um you can dm us if you don't want to do it public but let's like talk about i want to hear about what you've experienced and and how you interpret it, and if you've tried to have telepathy with people and it worked, or if it just happened spontaneously, if you've had a deep, you know, whether you called it a soul connection or a cluster connection, if you felt lonely. The other thing is you, if you start to notice this, you have emotions, and if you don't know your your cluster or your soul connections, you don't know what they're going through, and so... You sometimes your emotions aren't even yours, which we see in this. But you know, I mean, I've had emotions and then talked to someone later and realized, oh, that was yours. But we're so used to interpreting it as us, so that's interesting too. I mean, yeah. So let us know, or if you have any methodology that you've experienced or want to share, absolutely hit us up. So this, I mean, obviously this is the beginning episode one. We've talked probably forever. And um, we have so much more to say. And these ideas are going to um, obviously just keep going through all the episodes. So before we close, Zach, yeah. is there anything about episode one that we didn't cover that you just like want us to do? So there, there was one thing um, as we watched it. I didn't think there was a whole lot of interesting things going on with the characters. But the second time around... When we got introduced to Caffius, his mother says, "Why are you so good to me?" He says, "You are the you are my one and only mother. You are the one who gave me the light and love in my heart." So that was I thought that was actually a very um, important line, and I didn't catch it the first time. And you pointed out to me as I said it, because I wasn't even thinking, I was thinking about the love and light in my heart. So that's another concept about love and light and being in the heart. And he's a very optimistic character. Um, He's all about, today's going to be the best day, you know, like, so he's very optimistic and he's got a sunny disposition on life. So I thought that was important, but they just kind of dropped that love and light kind of thing and it's in your heart and that's how he kind of leads his life. So I thought that was pretty cool. But then you said, when I read it out loud, you're like, he's, He's not. She's not his only mother. Well, I mean, if you talk about that they just gave birth, it's in the same episode. Right. Angelica supposedly gives birth to him. And now, energetically, they're saying he has two mothers, or does he? We don't know that. And they just introduced the idea of you can have a birth family and you can have a soul family. Right. And And most of us feel that. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that. I mean, I think we tend to choose 
we tend to choose birth families that are going to support us in our journey. And sometimes it's because we're close to them. Sometimes it's because of situations or whatever. But I think as we evolve as humans and we have more time to put to evolution and consciousness, people are finding that maybe they don't fit into their biological family in the same way as when they open up to a right. soul family. Yep. Um, I like to think my kids <laughs> have the soul family and the biological family, but I think every mom probably does. And now my daughter, when she was about three years old, and I think she might have been mad at me at the time, but I, I know it to be true. But she's like, you weren't always my mom. The mom I had most is still in heaven. And I'm like, okay, so I might not be your soul mom, but, <laughs> your mom but I'll do my best. <laughs> So, but yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. Do we have soul family and biological family? Yeah. One of the things I love in the show is that they show, even with the clusters, they show deep, deep relationships with other members that aren't in the in the cluster. You know, like Nomi and Meets and um, Lido. They and and even. Caffius with his mom, like the all like there's a lot of deep relationships that aren't based on this too, and I think that's really cool too because not always is that the best relationship to be in on Earth, you know. Like I don't know, so I think that's cool. Um, the other thing with this before we close for today is so Caffius's mom calls him Zebra or. Zebra. zebra in America, mm -hmm. but Zebra, I think, and he refers to that more and more as he goes on, but I think um, that's the first thing she says to him, and then he says that line about the single mom, so I think that that could also show that, because Zebras are known for having the black and the white, Angelica's white. Yeah, I mean, you can go into Angelica's white. Oh, all right. You know, mm -hmm. and um, maybe that is a signal that, like, oh, he has been more, always, even before. Right, well, Lana, she wants to cut those boundaries, and I think that's what it's all about, right? It's expanding our definition of self into those around us exactly. through limbic resonance. Yes, oh. that's what this show's <laughs> expanding into all of us so actually having said i'm opening up to new groups of people hey all of you listeners i love you i think it's really awesome that i get to open up to your energies and you're welcome to come into my dreams and chat with me there's gonna be a party Twitter, but <laughs> after everybody listens to this in the dreamland all right we'll be back with episode two Yes, and if you want to know more about us and our work, you can check out consciouslyawesome.com. You can we would love to hear from you on Twitter. That's that's our jam. It's live live <laughs> since eight. So it's live L I V E underscore since eight. That's the number eight on Twitter. You can connect with us on email. That's team at live since eight dot com. And you can check out our website at live sensei.com for more information awesome and hit us up with messages um questions comments experiences experiences so we can share and if you share an experience and you're cool with us talking about it on air with or without your name let us know if you're not cool with it you just want to share with us because 
you're feeling the limbic resonance. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let us know that too. All right. I'm feeling so much love for all of you. Excellent. All right. We will catch you next time on the Live Sensate.